0: Pride in Protest, the podcast. I'd like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wangal people of the Eora Nation and also from Yagara Terrible Land. In our work as activists, Pride in Protest stands always in solidarity with First Nations people. Sovereignty to this continent was never ceded and the colonial occupation that continues to this day must be challenged in every space we are in. Decolonising is non-negotiable. Pride in Protest is a Sydney-based collective of activists who campaign for refugee rights, Indigenous justice, and recently won a position on the Sydney Mardi Gras board. I'm Bridget, I'll be your host, and in this episode, we are coming to you live from the front line of the Kangaroo Point blockade in Mianjin, also known as Brisbane. We talk about the situation, its relationship to the Black Lives Matter movement, and more with queer anarchist and activist at the Kangaroo Point blockade, Sean Wemsley. Hi, Sean. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, can you tell us a little bit about where you are right now and what's going on?
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm down the road from the Kangaroo Point Motel, um, where we have over 120 uh, legitimate refugees being uh, illegally detained by the the, the Australian government. Um, political point scoring and we've got a protest of about at the moment there's about 60 to 80 people camped out um, around the complex and yeah there's some music playing there's some people on the guitar um, but yeah that's what's happening and where I am.
0: Wow that's really incredible that a blockade that strong is happening in Brisbane right now. Um, Obviously the situation of refugees in Australia has been really dire for a really long time Um, You know, some people have called our detention centres mental illness factories Hmm. uh, and deportations and returning refugees to their country of origin is the Australian government's only priority when it comes to these detention centres and this kind of detention. Um, The refugees at Kangaroo Point, um, what is their story? How did they end up in the motels?
1: Yeah, so we have um, uh, about 120 men who have been brought here to uh, Brisbane, Mianjin, um, and from very, uh, they've all come from different kind of backgrounds and different stories. We've got some who have been in this facility for uh, up to eight months um, and others who have been here for um, a little bit less, uh, but most of these men have, have been transferred here from Papua New Guinea, uh, Manus Island, um, after the um, the PNG government found um, the detention centers or concentration camps in, in Manus Island to be illegal according to their constitution. Um, some of the some of the men here have been detained since they were fifteen, and they're now twenty two. Other others of the men have partners and children here in Australia who are citizens and uh, or who are on a pathway to citizenship. Sorry, um, but are living here as permanent residents. Um, the, the man there is one man who has actually never met his son because uh, he was separated from his wife um, while she was pregnant. Um, But yeah, pretty sad stories, but it's a, it's a combination of, of various, uh, um, various different stories of men who have ended up here in, in Kangaroo Point Motel.
0: Yeah. I saw a viral video um, with just like chance and like clearing a pathway for that mother and her child to, be reunited with that particular refugee. The chant was just so simple and so mm. striking. It was just let him hug his son. Um were you there for that?
1: Yeah, I was there. Um I was on the the compound has five entrances and exit. I was on the the Walmsley Street side and um I was, you know, chanting with a bunch of people um and banging on the banging on the side of the, the complex.
0: Yeah that's incredibly moving but mm. obviously from the footage we saw that the police or the security guards didn't allow that particular refugee to even remotely approach the gates it seemed like they were just there to stand in between that reuniting
1: Yeah that's that's correct we we did have well we were told that there was negotiations happening for that to be able to happen um but you know it's the it's Queensland police service so it's hard to take much of what they say you know um seriously uh, so we don't know if that that those negotiations were completely you know valid and happening but um yeah they, they, there was a conversation that was happening and you know it was a simple demand it was something that we thought was pretty reasonable um mm. you know there was there was plenty of people who thought that that was you know a, a, a quite a touching moment like i know i myself mm-hmm. was crying when i was chanting um And actually, I have a nice story about that moment as well. I was, there was a a police officer who was almost breaking, like the bottom lip was quivering um, in this moment when I was chanting towards them and I was holding their eye contact and probably about two feet from their face moving around, trying to keep their eye contact and they were kind of breaking. So even, even the QPS, you know, um, you know, starting to second guess what they're, what they're doing.
0: Absolutely and I mean I think the presence of police and the way that they are engaging with this that's the first thing that I saw so like one of the Mm. first live streams that I saw as it started to go viral was like how police and security guards were involved in this transfer so Mm -hmm. what can you tell me about the police presence um, at the Kangaroo Point blockade like from the beginning until now?
1: Yeah so we've experienced a lot of um, you know unnecessary force from the police service, and um, we've had a lot of violence um, from them onto protesters. Uh, I myself was choked at one point by a police officer um, while being restrained when they were taking a refugee back to um, a high, high security facility. Um, we've also had uh, a prominent Aboriginal activist, Sam Warripa-Watson, who was um, you know uh, pushed and abused by a police officer at the very first night um and during that scuffle their their phone was stomped on we also had um another uh woman of color who was um abused by the police um in i don't know if you've seen the the footage yet but it's um quite disturbing um uh, she's quite a well-known activist here in brisbane um I'm not sure if she wants me to pass her name on. I think there was talk that she didn't, so I'm not going to. Um, mm. And then we also had a young Indigenous woman who experienced some police brutality um, last Friday morning. Um, and she was actually arrested and locked. Um, and um, she was released on bail a couple of hours later. But we were, we were very concerned um, when that was happening. And I don't know if there's much footage of that because it was a very quick moment.
0: Yeah, that's shocking, but obviously completely typical of the police to target people of colour, Aboriginal activists, um, it makes sense. That's what they are trained to do. And obviously the excessive use of force against refugee protesters particularly um, has been evident like throughout the lockdown period. Mm. Um, The refugee car convoy in Melbourne was one of the only ones that received fines of up to um, $40,000, you know, and compared to the 5G protests that had, you know, hundreds of people violating social distancing laws supposedly um, receive absolutely no consequences in comparison uh Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the Captain Cook protection squad um, that's (laughs) been deployed in Sydney, um, you know, while 46,000 year old sites are being destroyed by Rio Tinto. So Mm. it's just really, really clear exactly who the police protect and it's private property and it's white supremacy. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it's, I'm so sorry to hear what happened to you as well. That's really, really shocking. And, Sadly, something that a lot of activists experience when they do stand up against uh, yeah. corrective services, against the police, against any kind of security. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think
1: we're we're quite used to police brutality here in Minjin, um, especially at protests. Um, but I think the le- I think the one thing I'd like to note is that the level of brutality that or not. Or, The level of like excessive force and brutality that we're experienced from in these refugee protests and the Black Lives Matter protests that happened um, yesterday is something that we haven't seen yet. And it's something that um, it's it's reached a new level. Um, So, Mm. yeah.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense seeing as these protests are all centered around um, racialized bodies and people and communities that are disproportionately affected by police brutality already. So when you put yourself in the firing line for that cause, you know, you become a racial target too, really. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a great segue uh, into Black Lives Matter. There's been growing uprisings across the world against many governments, human rights abuses of um, black people, people of African descent, indigenous people. Black Lives Matter has really emboldened the removal of racist statues of slave owners, um, across the UK, across Europe. And I guess now in Brisbane, like folks forming that, this blockade at Kangaroo Point, um, you know, what do you think is the relationship between these global anti-racist uprisings and what's happening where you are right now and its relationship to Black Lives Matter and the riots happening all over the world?
1: Yeah, I think they're completely related. Um, you know, uh, all 122 uh, men in this facility are people of color, um, and we we have been like all of the um, Black Lives Matter organizers here in Minjin uh, have been out here at the protests, have been you know heavily involved in the organizing and, and the blockade of this protest, um, and and vice versa. So um, you know during the, we had a march yesterday um, for Black Lives Matter, and we blockaded the M1. The main road that runs the main highway that runs. Wow. Yeah. And uncle Coco was arrested along with, an, um, with a, you know, a young uh, white passing person. Um, but yeah. So during that time we, we diverted all of our resources um, apart from our necessities. Like we, we kept, you know, I think it was like three, three to five people on each gate. And we sent all of our, uh, all of our extra bodies down to the black lives matter um, protest. So yeah, it's everything that we're doing here is, is, not only inspired by what's happening around the world, but is very much a part of what's happening around the world. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I would say very much, very much, Bridget.
0: Yeah. And what do you feel like media coverage of what you're doing down at the kangaroo point blockade has been like have you had any real national or you know queensland brisbane media coming down and actually because from what i've seen most of it for me has been mainly through the citizen journalism of the activists on the blockade
1: yeah um it's hard it's hard for me to tell really because you know i have i have been quite busy i haven't really had much time to stop and look at the media Uh, But we have had, um, we've had a lot of talk like about nine news being surprisingly supportive of us um, and actually covering our stories in a surprisingly good way. Um, We've had seven down here, um, you know, probably every second day, but, um, and 10 did a really nice report on us on the project. Uh, SBS has been here um, multiple times and we had a... um, prominent refugee uh activist um Ian I've forgotten the name but they seem to be famous um down here with us who'd flown up from Sydney to to be here with us and and to present and stayed stay the night as well um but yeah so we've we've had a quite a bit of media on site but I'm not sure if that's translated well into the mainstream media because I haven't really had much time to to Mm. watch it
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, mainstream media usually likes to cast these things as, you know, Mm. rowdy, feral activists who are getting in clashes with police and assaulting people and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, I think what's really unique about having the function of live streams and having like direct access to exactly what's happening down at the blockade is that we get to see it through your eyes. Mm. And so that's been really, really great. But it's good to hear that so much media has been down there. Mm. Um, I hope that it does translate and it gets the message out there and that these transfers stop. Um, I guess this is a great time to kind of explore what exactly the blockade is hoping to achieve and what mm-hmm. the demands are that you have for the community and you have for, of the Queensland government at this point. Um, to protect the lives of the refugees inside the Kangaroo Point Motel?
1: Yeah, so we have three demands. Um, The first demand is free movement out of the complex. We think that the men should be allowed outside exercise and to be able to walk and connect with the community. Uh, We actually have a lot of community support. So there are actually a lot of people who live around the area who have never been to a protest before um, or, you know, have never, you know, taken... Taken politics, you know, super seriously, but who are you know actively out here on a day by day basis, you know, either whether they're giving us food or supplies. So we think that connecting with the community and being able to have that outdoor exercise, which they're currently not getting, um, is a pretty reasonable de- reasonable demand. The second one is no more involuntary transfers. Um, so we don't think that. Um, so we we're asking that no more force transfers to high security facilities like Beta at um, Bar is necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think it's pretty reasonable that we, uh, think that the transfers that have already happened are reversed and brought back. Um, and we want to return the men who have been forced to leave, especially the ones who were forced to leave earlier in the week. Um, mm-hmm. so we've got, f- f- I think it's up to four, four men who have, who have been, um, transferred to the high security facility at beta. Um, and so we, we like them to come back. Um, and this, and the third demand, and like, we also think this is pretty reasonable as well. Obviously, ideally, we'd like them out today, uh, but we want full community release by Christmas. So all refugees from indefinite detention to be into the community by um, Christmas. And we're not just talking about, um, we're not just talking about the refugees here in Brisbane. We're talking about all refugees under the custody of the Australian government. And those are our three demands.
0: Great. Um. And so, what is the organisation down at the blockade like? What can you tell me about the groups that are involved, the activists who have been leading this charge? Um. Yeah. I guess we would love to know, like, who's organising, who's down there, and how are you working together at the moment with so many people?
1: Yeah. So it's been actually quite a a moment of unity for the Brisbane Left. Um. You know, we it hasn't come without its own problems like there's definitely been moments where we haven't all agreed Um, but for the most part we've had you know people from you know uh, we've had socialist groups down here we've had anarchists down here we've had the Greens down here Um, we've we're looking into we've had a bit of support from the CMFU and I think the unions are deciding this week um, whether they're going to support us we've also had support from um, communities, uh, communities of faith we've had support from um, I don't want to leave anybody out, but we—I guess what I'm trying to say is that we've had a broad left kind of support down here, and it's, and a lot of really new young activists who this is really their first protest or their first kind of blockade, um, which is kind of emboldening for us because, you know, all these new faces um, in a very small left community here in Brisbane, um, but yeah, oh sorry, Warriors, the Aboriginal resistance have definitely been down here and have been. And black and people involved in the Black Lives Matter protests have been doing a lot of the organizing as well.
0: Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, is there much of a, I guess, like slant towards like a particular style of organizing? Are you trying to do everything by consensus? Is there much like democracy and movement making mm-hmm. happening um, down at the blockade? Or
1: yeah, so there have been there has been a lot of um, you know participatory democracy. Um, you know, there's, there, uh, there have been moments where we've tried to reach consensus, but we don't really have a process for consensus building at the moment. Um, I think the, it has been very non-hierarchical non-hier- and there hasn't been much gatekeeping. So anybody who's been here and wants to step up and help to organize, um, has, you know, been allowed to and been, been, um, to. Um, it's definitely not, it's definitely not a, I think the, the nice thing is it's definitely not a hierarchical movement. It seems to have just happened, really. It's just people just coming in and, and doing what they can. And, I mean, there has been plenty of organising behind the scenes, but it's not like coordinated organising, rather.
0: Yeah, it sounds really organic and kind of just like a beautiful show of community spirit mm. down in Brizzy, um, you know, because obviously when I lived down there, I got to feel just how hard activists in Brizzy fight. Um in terms of the landscape of Queensland being a lot more conservative people coming from rural areas where there's a lot more homophobia, the fascism from the Bielke Peterson era, uh, you know, the nationals, it's really fierce and you can feel incredibly like threatened as a left wing person, as a queer person. Um, It's honestly just, yeah, really, really amazing to see this show of, of solidarity from so many people across the left in Brizzy. So that's absolutely awesome. Um, I guess my last question is: What can we do, um, folks of us who are in Sydney or Melbourne or internationally, even? How can we support the Kangaroo Point blockade? Is there a fundraiser? Is there? Is it just like you know, sharing and and making sure that people are aware of what's happening?
1: Yeah. So I think the first thing you can do is um, you know share the videos, share the live streams, and and um, use the hashtags KP blockade um and free the refugees um and Brisbane says welcome. Uh I guess it's not so relevant if you're living in Sydney, but uh definitely KP blockade. Um I you can follow the the site Refuge Refugee Solidarity Brisbane forward slash Minjin spelled M-E-A-N-J-I-N. Um yeah, if you follow them you'll get plenty of updates and you'll get to follow the live streams and and um you'll be able to find the link to donate. Um, which I'm not sure if it's been set up yet, but we would. There was definitely a lot of talk about setting one up to to get the support. Uh, but yeah, I think you know solidarity is best when you know we when we fight the corrupt governments where we are. So um, you know, definitely you know fighting for you know rallying around this the movement and rallying around and challenging the government where you are is definitely the strongest way you can show solidarity with with Minjin.
0: Awesome, and obviously challenging the castoral state, the mm-hmm. logic of criminalizing refugees, mm-hmm. the logic of borders, uh, making sure that we stand against police, against police brutality, against the you know absolute police state that has been mm-hmm. dictating all of this violence towards activists, towards First Nations people, towards refugees for so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the fact that this has popped up at the height of the Black Lives Matter movement um, just makes it really clear how much we need to abolish police, Mm -hmm. how much we need to abolish detention. There is no reason why indefinite detention or putting people away from the community, not even letting a father hug their child, like that is just the most inhumane thing that you can do to someone is to isolate them. And I think, you know, what this shows is that there is actually a really strong like solidarity and a strong stance movement against police, against carceral logics. And hopefully we can only go onwards and upwards wherever we are. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for joining us, Sean. Really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, no
1: problem. Always good to chat.
0: All right, see ya.
1: Okay, bye, Bridget.
0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Pride in Protest, the podcast. You can follow our work beyond our podcast, like hosting rallies, campaigning to end police involvement in Mardi Gras, and more at facebook.com slash pride in protest, or on Instagram at pride.in.protest. Our podcast is streaming on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.